Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. This message series, Hope Has a Name, is really for those who feel so, so heavy in their spirit. You know, you may be worrying about something, and maybe it's your health, or maybe it's the health of someone that you, you love. Maybe you're just carrying the weight of financial burdens, or maybe this morning you're dealing with aging parents, what to do. Or maybe you're, you're dealing with your children who are, you're, just, you're worried about the decisions that they're making because you know where it's going to lead to. Or maybe you're here and you're just worried about exams that are coming up for, for the Christmas season. And you know if you don't do well, it won't bode you for the next semester. This is a message series for those who are, who are worried and are battling with fear or anxiety. I want to highlight a, a small portion of Scripture uh, to you this morning that was written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. You see, the Apostle Paul wanted more than anything to go to Rome and preach the gospel. He'd been all over Asia Minor and, and lives have been transformed. For years he'd been preaching the gospel. And his desire was, I just want to go to Rome. And, and maybe I could even preach the gospel to Caesar himself. And what we find out, he, he made it to Rome. But we got a problem back here. They get lost. Oh, we're back again. He found himself in Rome, locked up, 24 hours a day, chained to a Roman guard. Boy, life didn't turn out the way he thought. He had big dreams. What would it be like to go to, to Rome? You know, the reality is that particular situation could have caused, caused any one of us to be filled with anxiousness and fear and feel hopelessness, discouraged, depressed, maybe even moments of despair. I mean, he didn't know how long he was going to be in prison. He, he, he didn't know what the final result was going to be. He didn't know if he'd ever be released or if he would be um, sent to death row. But by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned these words. He said, maybe, I, you just stop for one second. If that's still going to happen, maybe we could just, I think it's the monitor back here. It's really. They say, the devil's in every sound system. 
Oh, it's still crackling actually. Thank you, Dan. Getting rid of that noise. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Can you hear that out there, or is it just me that hears that? That's what I thought. Too sure. We've gone a whole 10 seconds. It's funny, we didn't have that in the first service, but. What's that? For those who didn't hear Dan's, he clapped for me way too soon before I fixed the problems that he said. It's coming to this here monitor, I think. Maybe you just unplug it for right now. For those who are watching online, <laughs> now you can clap. As I was saying, Paul's whole world had turned upside down. It was nothing like he had ever planned. In fact, maybe some of you can relate to that. When life turns upside down. But by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote these words. Still crackling. I'm just going to go ahead. If you shut everything down, I don't even mind speaking without a mic. Very tight, very tight. I think my, oh, it's all, it's pretty tight here. Got a full bar. It's a little frustrating. You understand? Dan, if I just shut my mic off, I shut everything off, can I just speak then? People online won't hear a thing, but. Okay. If it happens, it happens. Okay? As I was saying, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Word of, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he pens these words, and I think for most of us, it's hard to relate to these words. I'm, I just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I think it's hard to relate to these words. This is what he says. Now remember, he's in prison. 
24 hours a day chained to a Roman guard. That's what life has turned out. He does not know what the future is. He does not know if he'll see the light of tomorrow. He doesn't know if he's going to be sent to death row. This is what he writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Come on, Paul. He says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Can you say that with me? The Lord is near. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that today. Maybe you needed to hear that today. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Do you get that? And the peace of God that transcends all human understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God that transcends all human understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Let's just pray. Father, we know we've already had a, a few distractions already this morning. But our prayer is that we, each one of us, would sense your presence that it would be evident this morning. Father, we, we cast all of our cares upon you. And Lord, when we do that, our prayer is that we would sense your love, your goodness over us. And God, may the peace from heaven guard our hearts and our minds and our souls and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord is near. Do you ever wonder why the Lord is able to whisper to you? Because he's near. Ever wonder why the Lord can use such a, a small, still voice and you hear? Because he's close, he's near. Last week, we started this new series called Hope Has a Name, and we said if there was ever a time in history, it is right now, Christmas season of 2019, that people are desperate for hope. In this world, it really is easy to become disappointed, uh, depressed, disillusioned, discouraged, and even having moments of despair. See, there's a lot going on out in this world. There's a lot going on in our part of the world. There's a lot going on in our own little world. So how does one face tomorrow when yesterday was so devastating? Like, how am I supposed to get up and keep on going when I look back what happened yesterday? The Apostle Paul, 
had some adventures that I think would cause the average person probably to wash their hands clean from God and say, God, I, I'm not into this anymore. I, I, I may be able to do better on my own if I make my own decisions. In fact, maybe some of us would even say, I'm doing life now on my own terms. God, I'm going to start calling the shots. Can I just read a couple things that the Apostle Paul endured? It's found in 2 Corinthians, actually, chapter 11. Here's a small example of what the Apostle Paul dealt with. He says, five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Five times, not once, five. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a whole night and day in the open ocean, just floating. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and I've known thirst and and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and, and I've been naked. Small sampling of what the Apostle Paul went through, and yet he writes those words, rejoice in the Lord. Because the Lord is near. I mean, let's be honest. We read that if that was our life, a lot of us would feel, feel hopeless and desperate and, 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 and despair and, and overwhelmed by perhaps hopelessness. But then the Apostle Paul, uh, Paul pens these words. And let me read them to you. Romans 8, 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Uh, Shall trouble? No. Maybe hardship? No. Or, Or persecution? No. Or famine? No. Or, Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? Like, Will those things separate us from the love of Christ? No. He goes on to say, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Apostle Paul says, there's nothing that could actually leave me hopeless. No matter what comes my way, because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. What is it that could cause you to be hopeless? If I was to take this microphone over here and just roam through the audience and ask, what, what causes people to feel hopeless? I, we probably could come up with a long list of reasons why people in 2019, during this Christmas season, have those moments of hopelessness. And after talking to a few people and, and listening and reading, I put a few things down here. This is not exhaustive by no means, but here's a couple of reasons why in 2019 there's this sense among some people of hopelessness. One, it's because of health, health issues. You know, when you hear that C word, cancer, 
you know, breast cancer, prostate cancer, liver cancer, bone cancer, skin cancer, throat cancer. All of those things can be so unsettling. But, you know, sometimes we have illnesses that, you know, um, nobody even sees. They still cause a lot of pain, uh, a lot of sleepless nights, although nobody sees the pain. And we, we get frustrated because we know we're limited. You know, everything looks good on the outside, but you know inside, internally, your body is in turmoil. And so health concerns, serious health concerns, causes a lot of people just have those moments of feeling hopeless. There's another reason, relationships. Boy, when there is tension in relationships, things can feel at moments really discouraging and in fact, you know, when there's dysfunction, you know, in the family, or the family dynamics are not what they once were. You know, maybe you have issues for the very first time with in-laws. Maybe your relationship with your friends is not what it once was. Maybe there's this tension in the marriage, and it just is causing those moments of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's not just been going on for weeks but, or months. It feels like it's been years that this has been going on. And so you get to those points where you, you, know, you just don't know. Or, or maybe it's the relationship you have with your parents. It's just, it used to be good, but it, it isn't anymore. Or the relationship you have with your children. I, what happened? It, it, it seemed to fall apart. Or your work colleagues or, or neighbors. Sometimes relationships causes people to have those moments of hopelessness. Another one is traumatic events. You know, maybe something happened to you in your childhood. Maybe you were sexually abused or, or physically abused or mentally abused. Right. Or maybe as a child you grew up and you saw violence in your home. And we know how that affects children. Sometimes they grow up to, uh, as adults and they abuse alcohol and drugs and, and sex and because of a traumatic event. And sometimes these traumatic events that happen in our life leave us feeling hopeless. Then there's those devastating disappointments. You had a plan for your life. You had dreams for your future, but it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen the way that you had it all written down on paper. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your marriage. You, I mean, you really thought it would last for 60 years, but it lasted five. And you're just devastated. Or maybe that's true about your career, your profession, or, you know, you had dreams. You're going to have children when you got married, but you have struggled for years with infertility. These devastating disappointments in life. You, you thought this one thing, but here's your reality. Then there's those unchanging circumstances. You know, maybe autism or, or, or mental health or a stroke has left you debilitated. Or an accident maybe has left you without a limb. The circumstances just won't budge. And you begin to lose hope. And there's nothing that you can do. No amount of hard work will change your situation. No amount of money is going to change your situation. It is an unchangeable circumstances, and that oftentimes just leaves people hopeless. Sometimes it's, it's a painful loss. 
You know, where, where you, it feels like someone's put a knife right in your chest and ripped it right down and ripped your heart wide open. Painful. And where loss sometimes will wreck pain in your, your whole body. A grief that is so, so deep that no one really seems to understand. Maybe it's the, the loss of your spouse or, or a child. And you ask the question, and it's a true question, it's a legitimate question, can I ever be happy again? Will there ever be hope again? Can I get past this? You know, sometimes you'll have people who come by, and they'll say, well, you know, it's been a year now, it's time to move on. It's been two years, it's time to move on, and you just can't. It's been the two longest years of your life. So how do you survive hard times? How do I find hope again? How is it that some people barely survive and other people not only survive, but they thrive? I can tell you one thing. They don't do it because of wealth. They don't even do it because of health. There's no amount of intelligence will help. So how does one rise up from the ashes? How does one bounce back from serious illnesses or tension and relationships or, or traumatic events or painful losses or unchangeable circumstances or devastating disappointment? How do, I, how do I infuse hope into my life again? There are some Bible words that you may be a little more familiar with. Words like perseverance. Words like endurance. The Apostle Paul says in Romans, not only so, he says, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I was speaking to a group of pastors on Thursday, like, I don't know, 14 of us, maybe 12, 14 of us, and, and I had been asked about a month ago if I would speak on the topic of pastor slash leader, pastor leader, and, um, and so I said to them, here's something that I've discovered. I think I've been in denial all my life, but this year I have discovered that life is much harder than I expected it to be. Life is harder than I expected it to be. And what's amazing is that in so many ways, my life has been an amazing life. I mean, five years old, I recognized my need of, of Christ, and, and I gave my life to him. And, and I had Christian parents and Christian grandparents and, and Christian great-grandparents. I mean, I, I've been given a lot. And... Um, my whole life, since I've been five years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I, I, I wanted to, to be a pastor one day. And so I, I've never really veered away from that. I never went through a teenage rebellious year. I never went through those college days where maybe you'll wander away. That just wasn't part of my story. And I had this incredible opportunity. I, I, you know, I, I ended up working at a church that, uh, in Virginia that I, I loved being a part of. And then God gave me an opportunity to be at a church in, in Maryland, and it felt like home. I loved it. And then to be able to go back to your hometown, Halifax, where I was there for 16 years, 
incredible. And then God brings me to beautiful Sarnia. I get to be a part of a team that really wants to make a difference in this city. I mean, I've had a great life, yet I will be honest with you to say that the last 12 to 18 months have been the toughest of my life. Now, what I like about this church is I can be honest. I don't have to get up here and fake that I get everything together. I can be real here this morning. But these last 12, 18 months have been a reminder to me, life is harder than maybe what you expected. You know, you go off to Bible school. In my situation, I went off to Bible school. I I had these, you know, idealistic dreams. I go off to Bible school. I I learn the Bible. I I go to seminary. And uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I've been taught and trained so I can, you know, try to figure out how to explain God's word and to journey with people and their faith. I mean, you have all these ideas. You know, you go to a church and it's all going to be good because the church is full of Christians. And we know when churches are full of Christians, it's all good. Because we're broken people. Like we're broken. All of us. And so we learn that wherever there's people, right, there's going to be problems. And so for me, one of the the things that I have to work through is I personally, like I value relationships. They're important to me. I love people. I get energized by, by people. And, um, and I think God's showing me that sometimes, Donald, I think you put too much emphasis on it, actually. You're putting too much emphasis on being accepted, you know, by people. Because, you know, like any church, if you have a church like ours, I don't know, 800, 900 people that come here on a weekend, you got to realize, Donald, there's going to be people that don't like you. Like, what? I, sh- I was shocking when I found that out. But it's true, right? They don't like the way you do something or the way you said something or, you know, um, the way you dress. Or the, there's all kinds of reasons. And so what I'm discovering is that sometimes, you know, in, in churches, you know, where people just whisper, and whispers turn into chatter, and chatter turns into murmuring, murmuring and murmuring turns into open conversations, uh, you know, where... People complain, and then sometimes you get surprised by it all. And then, then what do you do when the, when the wheels fall off the bus? Or you feel like the rug's been pulled out from underneath, you know, your legs. I, I know the Bible says that the world out there will know that you're a follower of mine by the way you actually treat each other, by the way you talk about each other, by the way you complain about each other. Bible says you'll know people by their fruits. People don't know we're followers of Jesus because of the way we throw people under the bus. Never, that never will be true. And so I'm discovering that life is actually harder than you, than you expected. See, we here in the West, let's be honest, we here in the West, um, we know life, we, we think life is supposed to be easy. It's, it's supposed to be comfortable. It's stress-free. It comes naturally. It's supposed to be painless, relatively easy. We have these high expectations, what life is going to be like. But as I said, what happens when the wheels fall off the bus? 
or someone does yank that carpet from underneath your feet, then what? What happens is oftentimes we're left shocked and then sometimes anger creeps in there, confusion then leads to disillusionment and then sometimes you even have those moments of despair. And you, you ask yourself, well, how can this happen to, to me? How could this happen to me? Or you go in front, why would this even happen to me or to us? You know, for, for the most part, for, for, for most of the world, I mean, let's be honest, life is much harder than what we have it here in this part of our world. I mean, so many of us have heated garages to keep our cars warm. <laughs> There's a lot of part of the world that has no roof over their head. Uh, we're told that we live in the top 5% of the world here in Canada. In fact, if you make over $50,000, an article I read recently, you are in the top 2% of the world. We live like royalty in this part of the world. There are billions and billions of people, and Canadians live like kings and queens. You know, we, we walk into our walk-in closet to decide what color shirt and what footwear will we wear today. Millions of people have one outfit, one pair of shoes, and then when those shoes get stolen, then what? You know, we, I was in the mall yesterday with my family, and we're in the food court, and there's, you know, there's Burger King, and there's Wendy's, and there's Chinese, and there's Japanese, and there's, there's hummus, and there's falafel, and there's steak, and there's pizza. Like, it's just endless, the options, but we know... There's parts of the world that parents don't know if there will be food for their kids tomorrow. That's the reality. When I was in India uh, a few years ago, um, we were visiting this one particular town, and uh, a couple from our church had been sponsoring uh, a child for, I don't know if it was 10 years or 12 years, but a long time. In fact, when he graduated from high school, they kept on sponsoring him so he could go to Bible school. So he wanted to go to Bible school in India. And uh, they had sponsored him for two years. And, and I was talking to the missionary about this um, student. And they said, oh my goodness, this guy is amazing. Like, God, he's so gifted and he has, he's a natural leader. He's really going to change churches here in India. But by the time we got there, he died. I was like, how is this possible? They said, we don't know what happened. He got sick and he died. And then he kept on telling us a story. He says, you know, that family in your church has been sponsoring this. It's not only provided for him, but it's actually provided for his whole family. His father had died years ago, and so there was a mom with, with this son and a much younger son. And that little bit of sponsorship money was providing for the whole family. And, and when we got there, the missionary said, you know, she, she lost everything, actually. She lost her home. She lost a little parcel of land that she grew food on, and she had to move in with a neighbor. And, and I remember us asking, what would it take to, to help her? Like, how could we help her? Like, is it possible that we could even buy her house back and her property? He says, yes, but it will, it will cost $400. I said, what? $400. Literally. As we were listening to this, eight of us, I think it was it, we just, we 
just loose change, we had $400. And it bought a woman's life back. So that makes me realize how, how good we have it here. Right? Life is good. Right here. I mean, we can go to a Toronto Maple Leafs game and pay $400 for a hot dog. Right? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? In Job 5, verse 7, it says, Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. We're born for it. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, yes, you're going to have trouble. This is Jesus saying, in this world you're going to have trouble. That's true. But he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, sometimes life feels so overwhelming. I, I looked up yesterday and, and discovered that um, well over 4,000 Canadians die by suicide every year. In fact, I even read a story about an eight-year-old, believe it or not, who died by suicide. And there are thousands of more who think about it, and thousands even more that attempt it but survive. I mean, people take their lives because life is just so overwhelming, it doesn't seem like there's any hope out there. And for some, life has gotten so bad that it just seems like there's no way out. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. There seems to be no end to the pain. When you read the story of Job, in fact, in Job chapter 17, we discover a man in despair. Job loses everything. Like, he's financially ruined, which a lot of people can rise up from that. But, I mean, he is like nothing. He's not only financially ruined, his health has been stripped from him. Like, he is in agonizing pain. It just says his body is covered with sores that are oozing and painful, and that's the state that he is in. So he's physically and, and mentally and spiritually and financially, it's nothing left. In fact, even his own wife said to Job, listen, she hated to see him suffer. Just curse God and then you'll die. Like, take your life, is what she's saying. And Job says in 17, my days have passed, my plans are shattered. I mean, Job had great dreams. Had a large family, lots of wealth. You know the future looked bright. And everything was stripped away from him. He says, my plans have been shattered. My life has not turned out how I thought it would. And he says in 1713, if the only home I hope for is the grave, well then, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? If death is the only thing, the grave. I, I understand change is normal experience in life. Uh, we know life never stays the same. You may be in a really, really good season as we're entering this Christmas season. It may really, really be good for you. And we're so excited. We celebrate with you. But we also know those seasons don't always last a lifetime. There's always those hard things seasons. And, and I think, for me, the sooner I come to grips that life is actually harder than you expect, I think, oh, that's gonna, I'm going to be better off. Now, the thing is, how life 
can be much harder than you expected, but here's what I love. God gives you resources to help you to cope with life. See, you see, the fact is we have a Savior. We have someone who walks with us in the storms. We have someone who sails with us in those tempestuous seas. Here's our guide. And Jesus fills the gap. There is a gap. And Jesus fills it. And the sooner we recognize that we have a gap, the sooner then we recognize that we need Jesus to fill the gap. Let me share with you, um, I think it's a life-changing verse. I, I memorized this verse when I... I think I was 11 years old, maybe 12, 12 years old. But it is a life-changing verse. Here's what it says. Many of you will know it. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to rest and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing and perfect will. A new mind, a new heart, can change your world. How many of us know that sometimes our minds can be a scary place to live? Romans 8, 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Another translation puts it this way, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Psalm 119, 105, many of us probably learned this as a child, right? Your word is a lamp, to guide my feet, a light for my path. How many of us know that there are days when we're walking, it just seems so dark, like we can't see into the future. We just want a little bit of light. And we, and we come to the scriptures and we begin to read God's word, it's like, oh my goodness, it's, it's like a light for my feet, for I'm walking. The Bible, it's, it's, it's like a life map. In fact, I, there's a lot of these verses. I think we need to memorize them and hold them in our hearts so we can recall them in days of trouble. So God gives us some resources to cope with life, knowing that life is going to be harder than you think. But I love this part. You, us, me, we get to choose how we're going to respond in life. See, I, you and I don't get to choose who gets cancer. No, we don't get to choose that. See, you and I never get to choose if our spouse will walk out on us. You, you and I don't get to choose if, if, if infertility is something that we're going to struggle with as a couple. I don't get to choose what kind of intelligence that we're born with. We don't get to choose our parents. We, we don't get to choose when our loved one's going to die. But there is freedom in knowing that you have a choice in your response. That we actually don't have to be held captive dis in disappointment and depression and despair. And, and sometimes we simply do not know what to do other than cry out to God, help me! Well, that's a response. That's your response. I'm desperate for help, God. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're dealing with. I mean, on a weekend like this, there's hundreds of different stories. It would be impossible to know what everyone is dealing with. I don't know if you're at the point where you wonder, is there really ever going to be hope again? Can I, um, 
I'm not a wise person, but I have a few things I think could be helpful for advice. I, I think we sometimes need to expand our connection. See, the problem is, when these things come into our life, you know what happens? We tend to back away. We, we sometimes, life comes in, and you know, we, we used to really attend church and be faithful, but something hard is coming in, and sometimes we step away from it all. And when I was meeting with that group of pastors on Thursday, one of the things I, I, I learned, in fact, we, we talked about it in staff meeting just a couple of weeks ago, is that because there are painful things that come in our life, because there are things that really strain us and trouble us, it was suggested that we, we all have a pain partner, somebody who can help carry the pain with you. I mean, most people don't have that. And I think it's in Proverbs 17, 17 that talks about and being in need of a friend a pain partner who can walk with you. You get one pain partner in your life and you got a gift, man. You got a gift. One thing I'm also discovering is a verse that we quote all the time. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. The problem is people stop there. I can do all things. Period. No, that's not what it says is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because when I am weak, he is strong. I love this part. When we are at our weakest, guess what? We get his best. Imagine that. When we're at our weakest, he gives us his best for the journey ahead. Lamentations 3.30 says, we can also learn, by the way, from insults and hard knocks. We can learn from these experiences. Here's what I know about me. I don't like this, by the way. This is what I shared on Thursday. Sometimes the pain, the trouble, sometimes those moments of hopelessness or discouragement, I've discovered it exposes my weaknesses, and that's why I don't like it. And sometimes we go through something and, and something gets, ex gets exposed. I've discovered, actually, it shines holes in my faith. See, it's so easy when someone else is going through the trouble, right, to, to, to say, oh, you know, it's going to be better. It's going to be a better day tomorrow. And you come along. But then it ha hits you. And all of a sudden, what it does, it exposes your own weaknesses. And, and for me, I feel like it's a, a, sometimes the trouble, the pain, the scars, are like, it exposes some holes that maybe I have in my faith. I know for some of you, I said, I don't know everybody's story, but I know a few of your stories. And life has thrown some very, very deep scars. And some are noticeable in some, and some aren't so noticeable. I mean, I know some people have some deep, deep scars here, but you would never know it because everything looks good on the outside. I think I'm good at hiding those scars. I, every now and then it, it raises his ugly head, but for the most part, I, I'm pretty good at hiding the scars. So here's what I'm wrestling with. I don't know how to do it, by the way, but I'm trying to figure it out. How do I make my scars beautiful? 
I mean, Jesus came as a perfect little baby, but he died with some very deep scars, holes in his hands, holes in his feet. But boy, it produced a beautiful salvation. And without those scars, there never would have been salvation provided for us. Salvation is beautiful. To take someone like me, someone like you, who were enemies of God, not just indifferent to God, but enemies of God, and to be invited into his family. Like, what? That's a beautiful sight. See, I, I want to be able to take my scars, and I would want this for you too, that you could take your scars, and somehow I don't know how to do it. I don't but I'm on a journey to try to figure out how to learn. I want to take my scars, and I want to be able to blend them with Jesus' scars so it can become something beautiful. But I'm not there yet. I'm learning. One thing I have discovered, though, sometimes your scars can help somebody else with their scars. When you get to share your journey with someone who is now on the journey. Maybe you've already made it through the journey, and now you can go back and kind of walk alongside. Or maybe you're just three steps ahead in the journey than someone else, but you still have the opportunity to share. And God's able to use that. Okay, right now, I'm so grateful for the scars of Jesus. Because of those scars, honestly, I feel like I can hope again. Colossians 2.7 says, put your roots in Christ and let them be the foundation of your life. Be strong in your faith just as you were taught and be grateful. Decide today that nothing is going to destroy your faith. You may have moments of devastation. You may have moments of disappointment. There may be those moments where you grieve deeply you mourn deeply because of the loss, but it won't destroy you. Make a declaration that no matter what, with God I can make it. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8, as I read before, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. Well, maybe hardship. Well, no. Well, will persecution separate? No. What about famine when there's nothing to eat? No. What about when I have nothing to call it? No. No nakedness. Or what about danger? Or what about, what about death? No. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And he goes on to say, Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, he says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor death, nor anything else, in all of creation. That was Paul's declaration, and it can be ours today as well. That nothing is going to separate me. And here's what I know, because I feel like I've experienced it sometimes. I feel like when pain comes, when trouble comes our way, Satan likes to use this as an opportunity to separate me from, the, from intimacy with God. You know, troubles come in my life, and and, and sometimes I, I, I back away. See, God wants to use it to shape me and mold me, but Satan also wants to use it to interrupt, separate me from my intimacy with God. I mean, sometimes pain causes us to go, I, I, you are not who I thought you were. And we're tempted to step back and wonder, can I trust you? 
And when we begin to think that, the, the, the enemy begins to get a foothold and begins to win a little bit of the battle because he wants to separate us from intimacy with God. But conquerors will say no. No. Because we are more than conquerors. And and when we take these wounds and scars and losses and come to the conclusion that God can take the ugly, the painful, the scars and turn them into something good. Not that they are good, but somehow we can turn them to make good out of it. When we can be confident that God is doing something beyond my comprehension, when we realize that God is working behind the scenes of my, my life, it makes us a little bit more loving, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more kinder, a little more thankful, a little more hopeful. And God often uses those painful, those scars as stepping stones to be more like Jesus. This week, we had a a couple in our church. You know, last week how we talked about wishful hope, expecting hope, and certain hope. Well, last week, we had a couple with expectant hope. A baby is growing inside. And everything is great. But life didn't turn out the way they thought. And this week, I, we, we got a call, and Pastor James and, and Catherine, they went to the hospital, and now this beautiful little baby is born. But only lasted for an hour and a half. And well, you know what that does. You see a beautiful child you know, struggling to breathe. And in fact, tomorrow, I, th I think the funeral's tom tomorrow. I went to visit them at their home on Thursday. You know what they said? I don't think they said it because I was there. You could tell it was real. They said, God's good. I said, pardon? They said, we know God's good. Really? Uh, how, how do you know that? Because we know. His word says he's a good God. Remember them saying, we, uh, we don't understand any of this. We really don't. But they said, but we know God's doing something bigger that we can't see. I thought, wow. They know nothing can separate them from the love of God. No matter hardship, no matter what comes their way. I know some of you here this morning, you, you are just hanging on by a thread. And some of you are right on the edge of the cliff and it's, it's the, 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 the gravel starting to give way and you're losing the grip in, in your foot. And you're, you're just wondering, will anything ever change? Am I going to make it? Revelation 2.14 says, there's coming a day that he will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. There's a day that all of that will be gone forever.
I want to tell you, the goodness of God can always carry you through. Because here's what I'm learning. He is always faithful. He is always trustworthy. I also know that he would never forsake his kids. Never forsake his kids. I know he's our strength. I, I know he's our source. That's why the Apostle Paul, locked up 24 hours a day, chained to a prison guard, can say, rejoice. In fact, if you didn't hear me say it the first time, he says, rejoice. Let your gentleness be even to all. Why? Because God is near. I said it earlier, beginning of the message, you know why God can whisper? Because he's near. Do you know why that when, when the storm is raging around and you hear that small, still voice of God speak to your heart? It's because he's near. Though everything else is falling apart and the winds are blowing, and you hear because he's close, he's near. That's why the Apostle Paul, you don't have to be anxious about anything. He said, but in your prayers and, and your petition, let your requests be made known to God. And when you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses any human understanding, can guard your heart, and guard your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the truth. And that's why in this season when people are desperate for hope, we can say hope has a name and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that even in a season like this, when sometimes the contrast is so strong because people are celebrating Christmas and yet in their own world, people are crushed, desperate, want to know if there's any hope arising out of the ashes. That's why, Lord, today we can proclaim with confidence there is hope and his name is Jesus now Lord I don't know what what's going on in everyone's life here today but I do know that you know and so Lord I, I would pray for each one here that we would sense the nearness of God and for those who feel so alone and maybe desperate moments of despair oh God I pray as Especially that they would sense your presence. Oh God, may they even feel the loving arms of God wrapped tightly around them. That you're holding onto them. Lord, remind us again, there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Lord, remind us of those truths from your word that says you'll never forsake us. You would never turn your back on us. We can always come to you. We can always cast our care upon you because you care for us. That's why, God, I think about hiding God's word in our hearts. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of these things.
And so, Lord, I thank you that even on this Sunday, for those who maybe who have entered in here, this auditorium, hopeless, God, we pray that they would cry out to you, that they would leave here today full of hope in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.